to Used Car News Podcast. Used Car News is your top source for fast and reliable news that car dealers can rely on for this evolving industry. Here are this month's top stories. Lenders raise concerns about fraud. Colorado Senate passes car theft bill. And Carfax data shows millions of recalled vehicles remain unrepaired. But first, we sit down with Gordon Tormullen, president-elect of the National Independent Auto Dealers Association. Hello, everyone. This is the Used Car News Podcast. I am Jeff Ballant, Managing Editor of Used Car News. And today, we have the President-Elect of the National Independent Automobile Dealers Association, Gordon Tormolin. You're familiar with him if you're familiar with NIDA or if you're from the Chicago area. He is uh, President of Tormolin's Good People Automotive and it's Freeport, Illinois, correct there, Gordy? It is, yeah. Well, I tell you what, we're going to talk we know you're incoming president of NIDA or president-elect, but we want to start out. Tell us a little bit how you got into the car business. I know you guys, your family has a rich history there. Well, I'm, I'm one of those rotten bosses kids that everybody complains about. Um, <laughs> my dad started, he was he was a, a pastor's kid. And uh, when he was 15, 16 years old, he got a little part-time job driving a pastor around that his father knew. And that led to meeting the son who owned the whose dad owned the Nash dealership. And they didn't have an opening, but they knew the Hudson dealership was looking for somebody. So right. May 15th of 1940, he got his first real job as a gopher in a Hudson dealership. And uh, wow. he he later became the youngest Hudson dealer in North America. When Hudson sold out and went under, he had a used car lot. And then he managed a few stores. Ultimately wound up in 1972 coming to Freeport, Illinois, which is just a nice, pleasant rural community, about 30,000 people as the general manager of the Chevrolet dealership, and then later bought the Chevy store with a partner. That's when I came along and I, I wanted to get in the business. You know, I'm, I'm 13. I know what I'm doing, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and uh, so sure enough, he, he couldn't get a work permit for me. He paid me 50 cents an hour out of his pocket just to wash cars and kind of be a gopher. See, and, he uh, <laughs> over, over a period of time, I worked in the body shop as an apprentice. I was a B-grade technician, detailer, a display manager, because that's what I call a lot rat when you are one, <laughs> but also janitor, ran the parts delivery truck, courtesy car, repair orders, was a parts counter. I just, just learned every piece of that business all the way up into sales. Went to uh, school at Northwood University and got uh, several degrees, but amongst them, one in auto dealership management. Nice. Um, I served the greater corporate good for about six months. Worked for a company called Pat Ryan Associates selling F&I products. I was a traveling F&I guy. So I'd go in where somebody had just gotten fired and I'd be there for three weeks and then they'd move me around again. I couldn't stand, you know, number one, corporate philosophies and and because I'm too entrepreneurish. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and secondly, just the concept of not ever having roots down, you know, you're sticking in a hotel room, eating McDonald's every night and it's just, just crazy. So I, I gave that up, went back to work for my dad at the Chevy store and he had just struck a deal with his partner to sell out the store. It was in the early eighties when interest rates were 21% and he just really had some doubts. So he and I wound up partnering together in a Chrysler store, and we opened that in June of 83, ran it for 20 years, had an internal theft, which I would never wish against anybody. It was it was uh, not a fun time. Mm-hmm. But when all was said and done, we sold off the franchise and kept our buy here, pay here operation, just moved two blocks up the street and have been here ever since. So our, our actual shutdown time was about a day. So when were you officially taken over then or have your own dealership then? That was- um, well, I went into the Chrysler store as a partner with him. Okay. Took over the presidency of the company in 95 and have pretty much oh. run the, the show since then. So. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, so you've seen it all. Is there any way to measure what you've been through the last few years between what you've been through before that? 
Well, a lot of people say you can measure it by the color of my hair. <laughs> He's gray for you listeners out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know that there's a way to gauge it other than that all economies, all business cycles are just that. They have an ebb and a flow. Yes. Um, don't ever think yourself a hero when things are going well, because sooner or later, something will come around and kick you in the rear. Um, yeah. And, you know, that what really matters is that you maintain management of your business and that you understand what's going on so that you can you can weave through those different journeys and so forth and get to the end. Excellent. Excellent. Now, as part of that, you are, again, being part of the National Independent Automobile Dealers Association. How did you get involved in that? What what prompted you? Because that that's time, that's an investment of time and, and stuff that not everybody does. Actually, I went back to my dad. He had served on the new car dealer board when he had the Chevrolet store and continued on um, in the, the Chrysler era for quite a while. And I just thought that was kind of intriguing. He met some really, really top-notch dealers, brought home some ideas from just the, you know, the lunchtime conversations he had with those guys. And so as we got the independent store on its feet and got moving with it a little bit, uh, Bruce Eklund, who was the executive director for Illinois at the time, called me up and Brucey knew my background. <laughs> and so he he says, look, would you consider being on the board? And uh, I think he had a plan in mind because he, he made me president within about four years time. Gotcha. And so I, I, I learned a little more what the governance was there. I had had some experience being on uh, an automotive advisory committee at Northwood. Oh, okay. I, kinda, I shared that. I've been on that thing forever. But as a, as part of the president's training, we went to Dallas for a session and for, for new presidents. And I met Mike Lynn and uh, Arlen Keene took an interest in me. And, and so by the end of that meeting, they had asked me to, to join the board the following year. And so I did, and gosh darn it, I've been on the thing, it seems like, ever since. But That's excellent. Holy cow, those are some names from the past. And so on the Northwood thing, was that Art White? Is that how you know him? Well, yeah, Art came along behind me. So I, okay. I graduated when they still did the diplomas with stone chipped out, you know, with a chisel. <laughs> um, I, I graduated 41 years ago, sadly to say. And, no. and Art, was, Art was one of the young kids. He was an auto show chairman, and my wife and I had gone up there. And he was, he's in the same fraternity I had been in. So, of course, the boys were having a couple beers after the show had shut down one evening. And we went over and, and Art just was bending my ear. He was just all enthralled with the fact that I was a Chrysler dealer and I had succeeded. And how's this going on? And, and all of a sudden, I'm like, where'd my wife go? Well, it turned <laughs> out she was in the trailer talking to some dude whose nickname was Boner. So, <laughs> no, no. So, as fraternity business goes, that was a good thing. Boner was a really, really nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Art and I have been friends ever since, and, and we still serve on that same committee together. He's he's a great guy, along with a lot of the other dealers there. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't want to. I left the uh, listeners in the dark there. I had met this uh, franchise guy, Art White, at a franchise dealership here in Michigan and just talking to him in general about cars. And he brought up your name and said, Oh, yeah, I know Gordy real well. So that was that's really good how the business is both big and small at the same time. Yeah, we, we've been pals going back into the 90s. He uh, he started his career working for Kia Motor Company. Right, right. And made, you know, impressed enough people that he, he was able to, to put capital together and he now owns four new car stores. Yeah, that's so awesome. Once in a blue moon, we just have a conversation about, Wait a minute, what am I doing wrong on used cars? And so I'll, I got him to join the Michigan. Independent Auto Dealers Association oh, just for that. So excellent. I'll look for him. See what, I'll look for him then at the meetings. That's great. Yeah. So okay, so you're in the, you got you got strong armed into the board of the NIDA. What prompted you to stay in there and get involved and be part of, you know, being an officer and moving up to where you are now? Well, I, I started as a regional vice president. And to be honest, Jeff, I didn't have a clue what I was supposed to do. 
you know, our region is region three and it goes all the way to Minnesota and all the way down to Texas and everything in between. There's 13 oh, states yeah. and keeping track of all those folks and what they're doing and the personalities and, you know, some, some associations thrive. I mean, they're just, you know, thousands of members and others have got 200 and they're struggling and all that kind of right. thing. So it's, it was very interesting, I thought. And, you know, you would go into the meetings, the people that I met there were absolute top notch. I mean, the, the dealers are on these boards are not people that need this or they're doing it for their resumes. These are guys that have succeeded in life and it's it's something for them to give back. And so I've met some extremely strong individuals, people of faith, excellent business people that that really have made me just want to be a part of that group. In the process, you know, they they need to move you around every few years. That's part of the bylaws for the association. And I told Steve Jordan and some of the other guys that were were doing that process at the time, I said, I don't care where you put me. I just love being a part of it. You know, if you need to get rid of me, pull the trigger. But otherwise, I really enjoy this. And so they kept me around and I've served a number of positions. I've been the treasurer and the secretary and all of that. And it's really, really been fruitful for me. And boy, every, that's what every organization lead wants. They want somebody with that type of attitude, you know, put me where I want. I'm not looking. And most of the guys I've talked to, you know, have been in your, your position and are like that. They're, you know, like you said, they don't need it. They do it because they want to serve. Exactly. So now you became... You're now president-elect, and you just happened to be president-elect at pretty momentous time. The NIDA we they had a long we had a long time NIDA exec who left, and you had a two-year period which, which very kind of chaotic. And now you guys brought in Jeff Martin, who's longtime executive director of the Texas IADA, sharp guy, has been a part of the association for a long time. And now you're going to be president during this first year with his this new regime. What are you thinking about going into it? How do you how do you want it to succeed or how are you going to make it? I, I am really honest to gosh, just stoked about it. Jeff and I have had a number of conversations. Scott Allen, who's our current president, is an outstanding guy. So was Joe McCloskey before him. The one thing about Joe and Scott, though, is they're both tall. So the yeah. first thing we're going to yeah. do is we're going to bring you know, reduced height back in, in popularity. <laughs> Jeff and I are both similar in height. Um, <laughs> kidding aside, every NIDA exec brings something to the table. You know, it, it, Steve Jordan's an outstanding sales guy, a lot of just personality plus, okay? And I think that propelled the association and made it something that people wanted to be a part of. Um, so. Bob Volman came along and and he's, he's an older gentleman. He's more of a structure guy. So there was a lot of bylaws review and so forth. A lot of folks didn't understand what he was up to, but it was... It was updating things that had to be updated. Gotcha. You know, when he retired, we took a look at the field of folks that we had interviewed before. And there was a clear guy that if it made sense for him, would be the guy that we'd like to have. And that was Jeff. Yeah. And the conversations that I've had with Jeff, I mean, he, he came up and visited my store. We spent a day together. Other than falling in love with my 63 Corvette, which I, I can't add to, you know, um, but it I mean, just can honestly, and not, no jokes about height, we can see eye to eye on things. This is a guy who's who's got a lot of fire in the belly. He loves the industry. He loves the dealers. He loves what it stands for. He is spot on with everything. So far, just in my tenure coming up on this thing and kind of pushing him to get rolling on the things that I've got or I want to plan, I've received texts from him as late as or as early as 630 in the morning and as late as one o'clock in the morning. Holy so cow, he, one in the morning. He works and he works <laughs> and he's dedicated and he wants to see this thing succeed. And it's clear that that's the case. So I, we've got an outstanding CEO. He's working on the staff. We've got some fantastic people that needed a little more direction and some specificity built into their job positions. 
So we're working on that so that they know exactly what task is prioritized and what has to happen. So I'm, I'm very much enthused about the direction that, that Jeff is taking the organization. Okay, great. The presidency is kind of a pass the baton type of thing. You know, you guys are all working together before you become president, after. If you have a one thing you want to get done this year, what would it be? You know, I don't know if there is a one thing, Jeff. I think there's a lot of things that just need to be put back. When you have regime changes in leadership, Right. one guy really focused on, the next guy doesn't. And those folks feel like they got left behind. So I think if anything, we want to bring peace and love and harmony in. We'll start singing Kumbaya wherever we need to. We want everybody to know how valued they are. One of the things that Jeff and I are working on now, I set forth what I thought were some, you know, we've got a young board. We've altered the structure of the association so that there are more board members. It's a larger board. Some of these folks are kind of new to association management and governance and so forth. So I started outlining priorities for each position on the board. And in doing that, in my brain, we're creating a structure. And the structure centers around who's most important to the association. And that's our dealers and our vendors. Yeah. You know, the first point of contact, folks, are the state executives. And they're vital, okay? Then comes the NIDA staff and Jeff and his team. And, and lastly is the board. And so all of us need to be singing the same song to care for our dealers and our vendors. I think understanding that structure and getting those points across so that everybody is as busy in their positions, making things happen for the association as Jeff is, I think will propel us forward. We got a lot of great things going on. We got a convention that's just going to knock your socks off. Yeah. More education, you know, the, the, the booths were sold out in our exposition hall, even though it's a larger one than we've ever had. There's a lot of extracurricular activities. Our old buddy Jackpot Joe is going to have a big poll for money and all that kind of thing. The, the Fellowship of Christian Auto Dealers is going to put on a free concert for anybody that's interested. Nice. Those, are, those aren't even affiliated with NIADA, but they're just extra things that are going on. So it's it's going to be a really busy, vibrant convention. And right after that, the staff turns a page and they're working on the National Policy Conference. So yeah, That's going to be a big one for sure. In fact, we had met many times before, but I actually was in D.C. The one conference I went to, the leadership one, I got to go met you and your son there, um, or met your son, I should say. This year is going to be interesting. What are you guys trying to do now? For everybody listening, the NIDA Convention Expo, you guys are going to have some regulators there from FTC, IRS, CFPB. And that's, I spoke with Jeff Martin for a print interview, and he was saying, members, dealers, you got to be at the convention because they got to see you, your faces and hear your voices if you want to have influence. And as you go looking forward, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but you, what's your looking forward at the policy conference? So I, I, Jeff brings an interesting philosophy to this that I hadn't considered before. You know, as, as a dealer, we go to D.C. and it's it's both inspiring and just ugh, teeth grinding because you're looking at the current residents of the city and they don't seem to measure up to the history of the city. <laughs> um, and it's it's neat to get a seat in a congressman's office and spend some time with them. And you, and you do accomplish, you build relationships. You kind of have that, okay, we want to be at dinner. We don't want to be the dinner kind of mentality. Okay. okay. But really, when it comes down to it, the most damage that can be done to our dealers right now and is through the regulators. Yes. You know, if safeguards rule isn't deployed well or if you're not prepared for it, if you watch what the FTC is doing with regard to privacy and so forth, it's just you've got to be ready for that. And Jeff's emphasis is that first line of defense is regulators. We, we need to make friends with these folks, let them understand that we are entrepreneurs. We don't like that 2% that does crappy stuff any more than you do. Yes, yes. Okay, but let's work together to, to craft things that make sense. Then comes the, the meeting with a congressman or the senator where you're building a relationship 
so that they support the regulators and they're willing to send a letter out if necessary about particular circumstances and so forth. The other thing that really doesn't get thought of much, and, and, and Jeff is very attuned to this, right now we're watching over 100 different pieces of legislation in state legislatures across the country that could have damaging effects on dealers. So that's a whole other line of defense that involves the city associations as well as the national. And we're all watching everybody's queuing everybody in on if they see something they're concerned about so that dealers don't get something that just surprises them from behind. That's the worst thing. If you can prepare for it, even if you don't like it, you can typically deal with it. Absolutely. Yeah, because you think that, you know, it's a, you're never bulletproof, but if you if you know what's coming down the line, you can protect yourself. And and it, a lot of times with regulars, you know, if they see somebody's working at it, you got a better chance there than if you're a person who's just freewheeling it, you know? Exactly. I like what you're saying because Jeff was saying the same thing. It was kind of interesting where he talked about the idea that, that the states do the states. And the one thing that NIDA does is that should do is not necessarily micromanage, but focus on the big things that they have to deal with, which is the regulators. Because as you, you say, the regulators are important. They don't change. You know, leadership in Congress and Senate may change, but the, and the parties may change, but the regulators don't. So that's the bureaucracy is always there for us. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. And the convention, what are, what's most exciting you about the NIDA convention? Wheeling it back here a little bit to next month's convention. It's in Vegas. Is that the win? Is that it's correct? the win? That's correct. It starts on the 19th. There'll be some industry meetings. If I don't do anything bad, hopefully I'll get voted in as president. If not, who knows? <laughs> it is an election. It could go the other way, but I'm, okay, right. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. If not, I'll just continue to serve. But beyond that, there'll be first-timers banquets. They're restructuring the awards banquets so that it doesn't involve an entire evening. If you want to go out and enjoy a night on the town, you'll be able to do that. Oh, there'll great. still be the cigars and martini gathering on the first evening. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. So that's that's always a fun time. I mean, it, I always get a kick out of that because if you just listen for a minute, you got five, 600 dealers and vendors all in one space. And there's just this huge din of noise yes. because these people miss each other. They haven't seen each other for a year, you know, and it's a getting together and they're sharing ideas and they're asking how business is. You can just walk around and, and listen and learn a lot just there. In addition to that, we've got, I think it's almost 70 different learning sessions planned. Mm-hmm. Counting service bays, which are quick 20-minute lessons, as well as 45-minute classes that folks are going to be able to attend on a myriad of subjects. There isn't anything in the business that doesn't cover everybody's business plan. Nice. If you're a retail dealer, a CPO dealer, a wholesaler, a buy-here-pay-here dealer, there's something for you. If you want to learn about fixed operations, there's something for you. If you want to meet lenders, talk about the state of capital. There'll be folks there that you can talk to. All of that's in addition to the expo. So it's it's going to be a busy, very, very enjoyable time. Yeah, I think all those things are good. And the Scarves and Martins is great, too, because because it's a more relaxing thing. It's before everything kicks off. It's easy to talk with people. People are freer. And, and you do a lot. I mean, as a reporter, just listening to people, like you said, but even if you're another dealer, people are sharing a lot of information. You get to know people. It's it's a really good setup for the, the events of the week. And I laugh because I remember one of the first opening receptions, you talk about short. I remember seeing the late Tim Swift and the late uh, Tom Caruso and Mike Lynn all standing there. And I thought, okay, now that's that's a little person's thing there. But um, We don't call it short, we call it brief. <laughs> there we go. Pithy, yeah, right. As president, there will be no short meetings with me. There'll be brief meetings. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, this sounds really good. I'm really looking forward to it. I do think... It's interesting with you and Jeff Martin, obviously Jeff being in Texas is familiar with buy here, pay here. So that's good. And also the fact that you always end up sometimes with the 
the association guy who's either knows associations, not so much dealerships, or the dealer guy who doesn't know associations. Here's a guy, he's not a dealership guy, but he's been dealing with working with dealers for so long, he really has the best of both worlds and knowledge, I think. Well, and the other thing that's really critical to me, Jeff, he has a deep respect for the entrepreneurship that goes into running a dealership. Yes. He sat in our store and we had a customer who came to the front counter while we were sitting here chatting and, and she was in crisis, you know, and can't make a payment. The job's doing this and I only got this much and so forth. And he listened to my sales manager go through that, you know, with her sales manager, duck his head in real quick. Hey boss, can we do this? You know, and there wasn't a problem. I mean, obviously we're going to take care of our customer. That's what good dealers do. Yes. But he's like, you know, how do you how do you get to the point where you just naturally make that decision without getting frustrated? It's like, well, no, it's what dealers do, the good ones. I think Jeff gets that. He has a tremendous amount of respect for dealers, and that's yeah. that's something that is rare. It really is. Absolutely. And I think that's what he wants to and you yourself, I mean, you wants to put forth for this convention association that's for dealers and dealers got to show up to be served. And I think that that's a big deal. And I, I do like the idea that you're talking about expanding the boards because you want to get people involved. And sometimes people get, I'm guessing you get dealers who are either intimidated or they don't think there's a place for them. What do you say to them? Well, yeah, there, there, there are folks that wonder, you know, how those guys get to be there, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's an application process. If you're not sure if it's a right fit for you, I would encourage anybody to talk to our board members. Hey, what do you do? Because you're the secretary now, or what? You, you know, what 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 does a regional vice president do? Right. You know, and yeah, there are specifics that we're looking to accomplish. But also, when we have these board meetings, you need to bring your A game expertise to the table so that you can relate as a dealer would. But the the difference is in governance of an association. I can't think like you know Gordy Termolin. By gosh, in my store where I'm king of the universe, we do this. That doesn't work. I got to stop and think. How does this affect a marketplace that involves our 16,000 dealers and more importantly, nationwide, 38,000 dealers that fit into the independent space? They're all entrepreneurs. If I push for something that I think is right and it doesn't fit 80% of the, you know, then I'm really, I'm doing them a disservice. So, you know, as a board obligation, I need to be loyal to the association and I need to think about all of its members, not just my own point of view. I find that tremendously rewarding. Yeah, and I, I can tell you, the, the people I've known over the years who've been in your position and been on the board, usually when you get to that point, you've served a long time, and it's I think you guys generally have that perspective. You know, I don't – maybe the new guy doesn't, but I'm, you, generally anybody who's been serving in those leadership positions for a while has that same perspective as what you mentioned there. For you as a dealer, though, what is the state of the, the industry for you? We hear a lot of gloom and doom. You know, I've had to report gloom and doom, but what, what do you see – is going on in the industry. What's your view? I think things are fairly strong. There are pockets. There are particular dealers that are not doing as well. In my own personal point of view, I, I find that you know if you're negative, you'll find negative negative issues. Okay. If you're positive, you'll find a way to navigate that. You know, we we had a pretty disappointing February this year, but we've had three back to back record setting years. Right. I mean, so I okay in perspective, I can stand a February that's a little soft, and then you know, when I take a look at that, it's like okay. We missed our goal by six units. What are we going to do about that? And I and and on the day that I asked that question, I can move in a direction either positive or negative. I can either say, well, we're not buying any more cars at the auction until we get this done. Or I can say, well, why don't we dump off those trucks because it's now getting into the spring. We're not going to have as much of a market for them anyway. There's different things that you do, wise or unwise, where you can navigate and you can control your own business, your own destiny, so to speak, if you choose to. 
So the dealers that, that seek education, just like we're talking about the convention or boot camps or 20 groups or things of that nature, the dealers that are seeking to get better, seeking to grow, typically do. And the ones that are, well, I'm not paying that much for that car. You know, they're the ones that are they're having a hard time because they're not really when, when you say stuff like that, you're voting to not participate in the marketplace. Yeah, that's good for you on the buy here, pay here side. Like you said, it's been a, especially with the buy here, payers probably been a pretty good time. They probably made it through COVID a little bit better than the average retail guy. What's the state of for buy here, pay here, you think right now? Still the same? Really pretty good. When, when you talk to different dealers, one, one of the big concerns is the cost of capital. As interest rates rise, you know, typically a buy here, pay here person who's borrowing capital is going to pay X number of points over their going rate. And so as the rate rises, that tends to affect their cost of doing business and it pinches your profitability. Um, it's important to plan that ahead and, and manage your debt if you're going to have debt. We got out of the debt business here about four or five years ago because it was just usurping too much of my profit. And so it, it, it was no fun, but we got our capital debt paid off. I still have a mortgage, you know, all that kind of normal stuff, but it's good times. You just have to really plan it. Boy, you got to be feeling good to be where you're at there, you know, making that decision back then, you know, where you're at yeah. now. I, it's, it, it, it was wise. It worked well for us. That's great. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add or any, any last pitch at the, uh, your fellow um, members and dealers as we get ready for NIADA next month and you prepare your just brilliant, like Shakespearean speech when you get accepted as the new president. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think there'll be anything Shakespearean about it. Oh, if, okay. if, if you're recording it, you'll realize that about three minutes in. Um, <laughs> but no, we're going to have some fun. And I think that's important. You know, it's, we're heading into challenging times. We have a government that doesn't know exactly what they're doing and it's harmed our economy. And so we as entrepreneurs have to navigate that or find a way to navigate that. Okay. You're going to have an excellent opportunity to get a great education at the convention. You're going to rub shoulders with dealers who are dealing with the same stuff and hear what they're doing. Those things in themselves, aside from Gordy's speech and excellent rhetoric, <laughs> will probably make you more money. And I, I think as an association, we understand that our dealer members are under pressure, so to speak. But at the same time, we're going to bring forth an attitude that says, look, there's a recession, but there's not mandatory participation. Yeah. We'll do everything we can to support you and be positive about this economy, make the most of what we have. You know, when you look at it in that light, I think there's a lot of good stuff going on. There's great opportunity for change, for reevaluating what you've done in the past and making positive changes that will benefit you decades further on. So. Excellent. Well, that's a great place to wrap up. I do look forward to the convention, everyone. It's NIDA at the win. What are the dates in June again? That's June 19th through the 23rd. Okay. So Gordon Tormolin, the president-elect of the NIDA and, of course, president of Tormolin's Good People Automotive in Freeport, Illinois. If you need cars or you need somebody who needs a car, send them that way. And Gordon, thanks for spending time with us. Really appreciate it. Now, I look forward to seeing you next month. It's been a real pleasure, Jeff. I look forward to that. All right. Take care. In a recent survey conducted by Point Predictive, auto lenders shared their concerns about the economy and fraud, painting a grim picture. Lenders were asked 20 questions about fraud, default risk, dealer risk, and misrepresentation throughout the loan life cycle. Identity risk, pay stub forgery, and alteration emerged as significant challenges, prompting dealers to strengthen their internal analytics capabilities and adopt new technologies and data-driven solutions to combat fraud. Surprisingly, the survey revealed that most lenders do not utilize ECBSV or the Electronic Consent-Based Social Security Number Verification Service for verifying 
underlying applicant information. These findings have prompted lenders to reevaluate their fraud prevention strategies and explore innovative solutions to mitigate risks effectively. As the landscape evolves, it's crucial for lenders to adapt, leveraging advanced analytics and data-driven insights to stay ahead of emerging fraud trends. By embracing these changes, lenders can better protect themselves and their customers from fraudulent activities, ensuring a safer and more secure lending environment. Colorado's current law categorizes auto theft as aggravated motor vehicle theft in the first degree and aggravated motor vehicle theft in the second degree, with penalties based on the stolen vehicle's value. However, a new bill seeks to amend these offenses. The term aggravated motor vehicle theft is replaced with motor vehicle theft, and the elements for each degree of theft are modified. Additionally, a new offense called motor vehicle theft in the third degree is introduced. Under the proposed bill, the penalties for motor vehicle theft will no longer depend on the value of the stolen vehicle. Instead, motor vehicle theft in the first degree becomes a Class 3 felony, motor vehicle theft in the second degree a Class 4 felony, and motor vehicle theft in the third degree a Class 5 felony. Furthermore, the bill introduces a new offense known as unauthorized use of a motor vehicle. This offense is classified as a Class 1 misdemeanor, but for subsequent offenses, it escalates to a Class 5 felony. These proposed changes aim to address the seriousness of motor vehicle theft in the state. According to Carfax data, over 2.5 million vehicles tagged with Do Not Drive or Park Outside safety recalls remain unrepaired as of May 1st. California leads the list with 245,000 of these vehicles still on the roads, followed closely by Texas and Florida. The numbers are concerning as 10 states have over 70,000 of those potentially dangerous vehicles still in operation. Do Not Drive and Park Outside notifications are recalls issued by automakers and federal safety officials. A Do Not Drive recall advises against operating the vehicle due to significant safety concerns, while a Park Outside recall is issued for vehicles at a high risk of causing fires, prompting owners to park them away from structures. These types of recalls are infrequent but indicate serious risks. Carfax is taking steps to address the issue by notifying its 30 million car care members of unfixed recalls for their vehicles. In the future, Carfax plans to emphasize these urgent recalls through its car care program and email campaigns, aiming to raise awareness and encourage prompt action to ensure vehicle safety. Thanks for listening to Used Car News Podcast. Each month, we'll bring you fast and reliable news that car dealers can rely on for this evolving industry. For a free subscription of Used Car News, please go to usedcarnews.com. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Make sure to share us on social media and like and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Want to save up to 80% on steep new tire prices? Premium used tires, like used cars, are a safe and affordable option when purchased from reputable sellers like Champ Tires. With more than 40,000 tires in stock, all you need to do is go to champtires.com to find the exact size, brand, and model and tread depth you need. Every tire is inspected and air tested, and shipping is free. This savings tip works when you need to replace one, two, or even all four tires. Shop at champtires.com today.